Did I tell you about my albatross? Hey yo, here we go. Come on. Welcome to another episode of Did I Tell You About My Albatross. I'm your host, Albie. This is the golf podcast for honest degenerates. It's like teaming up with your favorite foursome every week and diving into the best stories in and around golf. You guys ready to tee off? Let's go. We had it chilling on the right side of the green. Sip a little something and we working on Welcome back, folks. We've got another episode of Did I Tell You About My Albatross landing later this week. But in the meantime, I'm thrilled to roll out a brand new bonus series for all of our listeners. Now, the reason I started this podcast is to ultimately celebrate the best golf stories in and around the sport. It's my favorite part about the game. As we cover more and more, we start to unravel layers beyond what we have time to really dig deep into during our primary show. For instance, let me set the scene here. In a recent Stump the Panda segment, I threw out what I thought would be a perfect question to stump our beloved panda. A man has won an event on the LPGA Tour. True or false? True. Sam Sneed. What? A man has won an event on the LPGA Tour? What's the answer, Brandon? That makes no sense to me. True. Copycat, dude. <laughs> that is such a copycat move, and I have to drink it. I have to do a shot for that. That's bullshit. Yeah. You copied him. Well, Pando. I got it right, too. Well done. Let's go. Sam. What's the answer, Sam? Sam Sneed, 1962. Now, shockingly... His story is a thousand percent true. Now, not shockingly, Panda already knew the answer. We got to dive in, by the way, at some point in the future on why he knows all this golf trivia. It's insane. Now, admittedly, I'm not Rain Man like our boy Panda here when it comes to golf history, but I'm a huge golfer. I, I mean, I started a podcast on the subject. I spend all of my hall passes, which I cherish, by the way, on guys' golf trips. I also have a walk-off albatross to win a two-day golf tournament on the last shot. Happy to tell you more about that anytime. But I still had never heard of this story until I was researching the questions to stump our beloved panda. I had to know more about it. So here we are. Now, as I start to peel this onion back more and more, there are many interesting layers to this story and many interesting layers to our buddy Slammin' Sammy Sneed. Even if you know the story, hopefully you will get something additional out of this. So to understand the setup of the story, I think it makes sense to remind everyone just who we're talking about here. So let's start with the history and career of Sam Sneed. Sam Sneed, famously known as Slam and Sammy. Now, this moniker highlighted his powerful and effective golf swing, which was admired throughout the golf community, really for its grace and fluidity. Sneed's swing was not only a significant component of his playing style, but also one of the most celebrated and analyzed in the history of golf. More on that in a minute, because his swing absolutely deserves it. Sam Sneed, born Samuel Jackson Sneed. I love that on May 27th, 1912 in Ashwood, Virginia. Now, by the way, I would argue that 1912 could go down as one of the most important years for the game of golf. You have three of the greatest golfers to ever live born within six months of each other. Sam Snead, Ben Hogan, and Byron Nelson. Snead's journey with golf began in the hills of Virginia. He began caddying at age seven at the Homestead's Old Course in Hot Springs. This is also crazy to me, age seven, I mean, I have a three and a five-year-old, and the idea that in two years, my five-year-old will be lugging around clubs around any golf course is hilarious. But think about the era that we're talking about. It would have been 1919 when Sam was seven years old. This is before World War II. So many golf courses back then had caddy yards full of eager young caddies, many struggling just to help feed their families. Back then, caddying was how most pro golfers got their introduction to golf. A few examples include birthier buddies Hogan, Nelson, and Sneed, and others include Arnold Palmer, Gene Sarazen, and Lee Trevino. Now, Sarazen, he also began caddying at age seven. And then on this same note, 
And I promise I'll leave this tangent, but I just think it's fascinating here that the, these young caddies, you have Steve Williams. All right. So before he famously looped for Greg Norman, Tiger Woods, and Adam Scott, he got a start when he was just six years old in New Zealand. This is nuts to me. Absolutely ludicrous. The idea of a seven-year-old carrying around a bag for someone, but I guess it happened. Sneed was one of these guys who reportedly never had a golf lesson, but was an absolute natural. In 1929, he worked as an assistant pro at the homestead at age 17. Now, think about this era here for a minute, because 1929 is the start of the Great Depression. Ashwood, Virginia is positioned close to the northwest border of West Virginia. And as the economy toppled, so did, too, local coal mine industry. As a result, once bustling mines became ghost towns and thousands of families were impacted in this area of the country. So imagine any kid in that era and how difficult it must have been to learn golf or afford a set of golf clubs. Sneed, he was creative, though. He learned to swing by watching and imitating his brother, Homer. Homer and Sam, they'd take an old maple tree, they would take the maple limbs off of it, and they would use that for the shaft, and then they would carve out rudimentary club heads out of the rest of the maple tree. Pretty impressive. Many golf historians say that the reason his tempo and swing was so smooth was because he grew up playing with these clubs made from tree limbs. So after being the assistant pro at the homestead, in 1934, he had moved over to the Cascade course. Sneed, after being denied a dollar raise, decided he's going to turn pro. And in 1936, he was able to join the PGA Tour. That same year, he achieved immediate success by winning the West Virginia Closed Pro Tournament in a purse of $10,000, which really afforded him the opportunity to play full-time as a professional. Once Sammy went pro, this dude never looked back. His career, dazzling and extensive, spanned over six decades. I'm going to pause there for a minute. Six decades, 60 years. The longevity piece with Snead is crazy. He was a beast and a force into even his 60s where he continued to be a threat. He placed second in 1974 at the Los Angeles Open at age 62. And in 1983, at age 71, he shot a round of 60, 12 under par at the homestead in Hot Springs, Virginia. In 1997, at age 85, this guy shot a round of 78 at the old white course of Greenbrier in White Sulphur Springs, West Virginia. So longevity-wise, I mean, I don't, I don't think anyone can even compete with this guy. But let's just take a peek at his trophy cabinet for a second. He won a record 82 PGA Tour events, tied with Tiger, and about 70 others worldwide. Let's get into the majors. Let's starting with the Masters. Masters Tournament, 49, 52, 54, 49. Sneed was also, it's interesting, he was also the first Masters Tournament winner to receive the now iconic Augusta Green Jacket, symbolizing the winner as an honorary member of Augusta National Golf Club. He also won the PGA Championship, 42, 49, and 51, and the Open Championship in 1946. Oh, and let's not forget the U.S. Open. Well, I'm going to get back to that in a minute. So he was a member of the U.S. Ryder Cup team eight times, including 1969 when he captained the squad, but did not play. And was a member of the winning World Cup teams in 56, 60, 61, and 62, also winning the individual title in 61. And if you're like me, I didn't know this part, but that was actually called the Canada Cup before 1967. So for me, this next stat is near and dear to my heart. I grew up about 35 minutes or so away from Greensboro, North Carolina in Winston-Salem, that's home of CP3, by the way. Shout out CP3. And so what Sam did to this Greater Greensboro Open 
I just love. He holds two major PGA Tour records that still hold to this day. He won it in 38, 46, 49, 50, 55, 56, 60, and 65. He won it eight times. The first to ever win a PGA Tour event eight times. Now, when he won it in 65, Sneed was 52 years old, 311 days, making him the oldest player to ever win a PGA Tour event. Now, let's get back to one major I skipped over in his trophy case, the U.S. Open. In spite of his great achievements, his reputation has always been slightly tainted by his failure to win a U.S. Open. But there's more to the story. I mean, the guy finished second a lot. And there's one story in particular I'll share. In 1939, the U.S. Open was held at the Philadelphia Country Club. Sneed found himself in a tight spot. All he needed was a par on the 18th hole to win. Now, there's two different sides to this story. Sneed says he made a mistake in counting his strokes, but it's also been reported that someone was a spectator on the 18th tee told him that he needed a birdie. Go for the green, Sammy, you need a birdie. And he decided to go for the green, but landed in the bunker, ultimately making a triple bogey eight. He finished second four times between 37 and 49. All right, and as we conclude our tour of Sam Snead's trophy case, let me just share with you the records he still holds. Most PGA Tour victories, 82. Debated by some historians, by the way, for Tiger. Most PGA Tour victories at an event, eight, as I mentioned before, the Greater Greensboro Open. Oldest player to win the PGA event. That's also at the Greater Greensboro Open, as I had mentioned. U.S. PGA Tour player to shoot his age. He's the first one to do it. Shot 67 in the second round of the 1979 Quad Cities Open. Oldest player to make a cut on the PGA Tour. The player age at date of cut, 67 years, 2 months, and 21 days. That's crazy to me. But records and victories only tell half the tale. For Sam, his swing is what most people remember about the guy. Gary Player once said, I don't think there's any question in my mind that Sam Snead had the greatest golf swing of any human being that ever lived. That's a strong statement. Jack Nicklaus said Snead's swing was so perfect. It was renowned for smooth, natural, a poetic motion that seemed as effortless as it was effective. He timed his swing to align with classical music when he was starting to learn. Snead had arguably the greatest golf swing in history. It looked effortless to all that watch. Now, if you visit, to this day, if you visit Ashwood, Virginia, there is a Sam Snead Tavern. And on one of the walls, in one of the corners, is a picture of Slam and Sammy at the 1953 Ryder Cup. And in small caption at the bottom of the photo is a quote that sums his swing up best. To watch Sam practice golf was like watching a fish practice swimming. For those golf nerds out there who may have forgotten what his swing looks like, I highly recommend checking it out. When researching this podcast, my ADHD kicked in, extremely high gear, usually does, and I watched a slow motion video loop of his swing probably 200 times. It's absolutely mesmerizing. Now, I love this part of his story because this is really where the similarities between Sammy and Albie begin and pretty much end. He famously employed an unorthodox method of putting in order to counteract problems caused by a twitch known in our golfing world as the yips. Love that. I've been there, Sammy. In fact, I'm there right now. Now, when I say unorthodox, I mean, this guy putted with a croquet-style putting stroke, and he got so good at it that the PGA made him stop. So that's the history of Sam Snead. Now, I think in order to really paint a full picture before we dive into why Sam Snead played a bunch of women for money, 
I think it makes complete sense to share with you a couple of stories that really kind of tell you the sort of character this guy had. So at the 1952 Jacksonville Open, Snead forfeited rather than play an 18-hole playoff against Doug Ford after the two golfers finished in a tie at the end of regulation play. The forfeit stemmed from a ruling Snead received during the tournament's second round of play. On the 10th hole, Snead's drive landed behind an out-of-bounds stake. While Chuck Harbert, who was playing with Snead, thought the ball was out of bounds, a rules official ruled differently due to the starter not telling the players that the stakes had all been moved after the previous day's play had ended. Afterwards, Snead explained why he forfeited, even though Ford suggested that they play sudden death for the title. He said, I want to be fair about it. I don't want anyone to think I took advantage of the ruling. Yeah, even like I'm an honest degenerate, but this is not something I see myself doing. If the rules official said it's in play, it's absolutely in play. This cost him a golf tournament. In December 1959, Snead took part in a controversial match against Mason Rudolph at the Mid-Ocean Club in Bermuda. Snead decided to deliberately lose the televised match played under the World Championship Golf Series during its final holes after he discovered on the 12th hole that he had too many clubs in his bag. Players limited to 14 clubs during competitive rounds. The match was tied at that stage. The extra club in his bag of fairway wood Snead had been experimenting with in practice would have caused him to be immediately disqualified according to the rules of golf, even though he did not use it during the round. After the match was over, Snead explained the matter and said he did not disqualify himself in order not to spoil the show. The problem did not become known outside a small circle until the show was televised four months later. After the incident came to light, the sponsor canceled further participation in the series. So now we know the myth, the legend. Let's jump into the story. So we know Slam and Sammy is one of the greatest golfers of all time. That's without question. So how in the world do we find out that out of all the tournaments and accolades, he would deem it necessary to add an LPGA Tour event to his stacked trophy cabinet too. Well, let's start with the tournament itself. It was an official LPGA Tour event, true, in 61 and in 62, and it was played at the Palm Beach Golf Club in Palm Beach, Florida. Now, here is one of the most important pieces of, the, of this puzzle. It was a par three course. The tournament was one of the first in its professional golf featuring a battle of the sexes concept with a par three course that neutralized power and emphasized precision golf. Now this course, it was 2,688 yards. The longest hole measured 215 yards. The shortest was 105. The parking lot could accommodate 150 vehicles. Telephones, give you an idea of the time. The telephones at this time were still dialed by two letters followed by five numbers. Now, another interesting point, Sam won the tournament in 62, but this was the second time he played it. He lost the previous year in the same tournament, and in 61, the field consisted of 24 men and women, both amateurs and professionals. The tournament was 54 holes and won by Luis Suggs by one stroke over local pro Dub Pagan. Sam Sneed was third, two shots behind. Now, here is where the story takes an interesting twist, in my opinion. So Sammy loses in 61, signs up again to play the event in 62. In 62, the battle of the sexist concept was changed to 14 LPGA professionals versus one man. PGA of America superstar, Sam Snead. The tournament was played over 72 holes. Snead won by five strokes over future Hall of Famer Mickey Wright, making him the only man 
to win an official LPGA Tour event. Now, here's another, I think, eerie and interesting fact. Mary Catherine, Mickey Wright, the golfer that he beat, she became a member of the tour in 55 and won 82 LPGA Tour career events. So for those of you paying attention here, Mickey Wright won the same number of LPGA Tour events as our buddy Sammy won PGA Tour events. I just thought that was extremely ironic. Now, when I first heard the story, I figured Sam Snead was doing this for publicity or he was doing it for money. But the grand prize for this thing was only $1,500. Now, I get it. 1962, $1,500 is a lot more than it is today. But keep in mind, at this point, Sam Snead was already one of the most famous, if not the most famous golfers of his generation. At that point in time, he was already the holder of three Master Champion Green Jackets, three PGA Championships, and one Open Championship. He was 48 years old going into the event, and from everything we've learned so far, 48 for Sam Snead, the guy was in his prime. He had already had a very comfortable living, and he was also known as being one of the most frugal people on the planet. So I don't really see that being the case here. I don't think he was trying to do it for money or publicity. I actually think it's the opposite. This guy respected the heck out of women's golf. In fact, after he won the tournament, he was quoted as saying, Mickey should be on the PGA Tour. Like, she's just as good as any of us. So, I mean, as much as I'd love to hate this guy, especially when I first heard the story, I just can't. Like, this guy is the real deal. Now, one thing I've noticed about people like Sammy Snead, top of their game, top of their industry, top of the world, basically, and whatever they do, it's that they're extremely competitive. Snead was no different. In fact, a lot of people said he had a feud with Hogan. And I think this quote kind of sums it up best. A lot of things, this is from Sam Snead. A lot of things that were written in those days just weren't true, Snead said. Freddie Cochran used to be a writer who quoted me and a lot of the other guys in those days. And sometimes he would get the right quote with the wrong guy. For instance, one thing he wrote was that I only feared three things. Lightning, a downhill putt, and Ben Hogan. That was a great quote, but it wasn't me who said it. Freddie should have known better than to say that about me. Anybody who knows me knows I'd never say something like that. When my game was on, I feared no man. Snead acknowledges that his competitive juices flowed more freely when he had a chance to go head-to-head against Hogan, which was only three times. I played him three times and beat him every time, Snead said. The first was in a match play tournament in San Francisco, then in the LA Open, and then in 1954 Masters. Oh, Oh, and he did beat me on Shell's wonderful world of golf, but I took that on short notice and didn't have time to prepare. Well, even when he gives a shout out to Hogan for beating him, he still throws in the little jab. Oh, but I took it on short notice and didn't have time to prepare. I love that. This guy's super competitive. As we wrap today's episode, let's take a fleeting glance back through the fairways and greens traverse in this iconic life of Sam Snead. We've wandered through a labyrinth of compelling tales from his early days caddying at age seven honing his natural fluid swing in the hills of Virginia to amassing a treasure trove of accolades, including seven major championships, 82 PGA Tour events, and records still etched in gold in the annals of golf history. Through the highs and lows, the magnificent victories and painful near misses like the heart-wrenching incident at the 18th hole during the 1939 U.S. Open, we've seen Sneed's unyielding perseverance and determination, which carved a legacy as grand and enduring as the man himself. But of all the tales unfurled today, perhaps the most intriguing is Snead's unprecedented victory in an official LPGA Tour event in 62. Why would one of the greatest golfers amidst a plethora of achievements decide to participate and ultimately win an LPGA Tour event? I think it reflects just how competitive Slam and Sammy was. 
Part of me thinks that he wanted to be known as the most precise golfer that ever lived, man or woman. In participating in the LPGA Tour event, he not only showcased his versatility and mastery, but perhaps also extended an unspoken acknowledgement and respect towards the women who shared his passion and dedication to the sport. It's a wink across the greens, a subtle nod of camaraderie to every athlete, male or female, who has ever picked up a club. Whether that golfer picked up the club at the local golf store or he or she carved it out of an old maple tree. What I love about his story is golf has at least shown me that anything truly is possible, including a walk-off albatross to win a golf tournament. And Sam Snead's story fits that mold perfectly. I mean, a man won an LPGA Tour event. Like, anything's possible. I love this game. So this is Brandon, better known as Albie, and you've been listening to Did I Tell You About My Albatross, where the game is beautiful, the story is unforgettable, and where legends like Sam Snead, they live on forever. Many sources to create this episode. I'll cite them all in the show notes. Thanks, everyone, for joining. We'll see you on the tee box. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Don't miss out on our upcoming golf giveaways and experiences. They're exclusive to our subscribers, and all you got to do is subscribe. And until next time, golf's easy. Think fairways and greens. Here we go. Come on. Did I tell you about my albatross?